we were three miles outside of, of where we live, physically where we live in the bush. Uh, we, we dropped into this picturesque village with uh, neat houses. Um, looked lovely, very respectable, very tidy gardens, uh, all, all very well kept. And uh, we found our house. Now, it looked cold. Even from the outside, it looked cold. There was curtains half um, open. And we got there, it looked a little forlorn even. Uh, we got out the hamper, three boys rocked up to the door. But as they rocked up to the door, they're rocking up with questions too. They're like, why are we doing this? Who are these people? Why do people need food in these days? And so the questions went on and on and on. And uh, so we knocked the door. A boy of about eight or nine years of age, never forget the image. A boy of eight or nine years of age opened the door just enough to, to see he was at the other side of the door, about six inches or so. I looked down and he had little bare feet. And, uh, and he was obviously startled. Five strangers at your door. And he, he uh, asked who we were. We told him that we were from Vineyard Church, Dungana. And we were bringing to you uh, a Christmas hamper for your parents, your mom, your dad, whoever's in. He looked at us blankly again, didn't give anything away. He opened the door just enough just enough to drag a hamper into his, his hallway and close the door. It was a beautiful moment, actually. He didn't say, thank you. He didn't say, wow, this is just unbelievable. He didn't need to. We knew in that moment, in that space, in that time, the Christmas just got brighter. And so from 2008 onwards, we have discovered that as a family, as a church, when we go outside of ourselves, the Christmas gets brighter because... We are making it better for others. We're bringing hope. And sometimes you can get tired with that. Sometimes it can become an event. But my prayer is that Outward Focus Christmas never becomes an event in our life as a family. That it never gets old and it never gets tired. Because that's the thing about generosity and giving and being outward. Especially in such a, an inward season that we approach. That we need to get our hearts connected to the generous Father. And when we do that, he does something beautiful in our community. And so I never want this to become an event. I never want this to become, oh, here we go again. It's OFC Sunday. Get out the brown envelopes. We're going to ask to give money. And we'll all give money. And we'll feel a little better. And then we go home. It's more than that. It's a journey of faith. It's a journey. It's a spiritual journey when we are laying our hearts with God. So this morning, just to help us engage with Outward Focus Christmas, I'm starting this conversation with my conclusion to explain Outward Focus Christmas, if that's okay. And then we'll finish with the conclusion. But let me read what I wrote for the conclusion of today's conversation or today's talk. In fact, let's just pray before we do that. Father God, would you just come now? Would you love on this community, God? And would you teach us to love on the community beyond the walls? Jesus, would you help us to understand what grace is? And would you give us a fresh revelation, a fresh picture of how grace captivates our hearts and bring us, brings us into freedom and to a newfound country. Holy Spirit, would you ignite us again? Would you warm our hearts to be an expression of the kingdom come here in Dungan and Tyrone and all the surrounding areas? Would you come right now, Jesus, would you present yourself among us through Holy Spirit? Fill us afresh this day. Give us fresh faith for that which seems familiar. God, would you warm our hearts where they've gone cold or dull. And God, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of the living God is doing at this time in our nation. God, I pray for politicians. I pray for 
particularly this morning, the health service, God. Would you give us uh, just men of wisdom and women, men and women of conviction. God, would you give us the wisdom of heaven to fix which is that which is broken so that our communities will be made livable and better again. In the strong name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray. Amen. Let me begin with the conclusion. God is a generous host of all creation. He really is. He created life in abundance. He created humanity actually to share that abundance. When God created the world, the world was made to flourish. The, the world was a world of abundance in both color and substance and actually things that we need actually in the infrastructure of the world. Everything was as it should be. Then he created humanity and what he did with humanity, he transferred his rule and reign onto humanity. It's the story of the kingdom of heaven. He gives it to, to humanity, human beings, to steward the flourishing abundance that God has given the earth. And so he does that. And then what we do is we find very quickly, and you don't need to read scripture at all to actually understand and to see this happening in our present time. What happens very quickly is that humans don't trust the generous host. They look at the abundance, but they look at the abundance with selfishness and with fear. There's anxiety already in their hearts as they see and they look at the abundance. And what happens is that they, soon enough, soon enough, because of their untrust, they don't believe that there's enough. And what they try and do, just like anybody would do probably in today's culture, and what most people do in today's culture, is that they grab and they create their own, their own security, not out of evil, but out of actually to, how to sustain life, which actually ends up with not sustaining life. It doesn't end up in freedom at all. It actually ends up in insecurity, anxiety, and death. And then what does God do? God responds, as he does time and time again. So the story of the ancient scriptures, you can follow a pathway and a thread. It's what happens right after Genesis right through the prophets Isaiah and the kings that have come and right through into Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what he does is he continually, continually gives gifts. And those gifts are usually in the form of people so that they would come and rescue and free society again and again and again. And the story goes up and the story goes down and the story goes up and then Jesus comes and he's starting to make all things new. God responds with generosity, a gift. In fact, gifts... And again, you can pick that up. And so the reason being why he gives us the gifts is because he wants us to be free people. God wants this family, Vineyard Church Dungannon, as part of the larger family of the universal church, those who are born again by the Spirit of God, those who we call family, brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of their label or their denomination. God wants this family, listen, this is what God wants us to do, to trust the generous host, to see things different have a, a different perspective, that we would trust the generous hope and we would bring blessing to other families. That's a job of Vineyard Church Dungana. That is the story of Outward Focus Christmas, that we would trust the generous host and in so doing we would bless other families. And God had a strategy. God has a strategy and God has a strategy. Anybody familiar with John 3.16? You should, most of us are pretty familiar if we grow up. Even if you've been to a a football match or a Gaelic match or wherever you go, rugby, I suppose. I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm not being facetious in any way. I just never see it. But you always see sometimes somebody holding up a sign, right? John 3, 16. Have you ever seen it? The John 3, 16 people. Brilliant, brilliant. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
He gave. He's a given God. He's a God who's generous. That's why he wants to align our hearts with his heart. He gives. He continues to give. And we know that Jesus taught on giving, on generosity. And what happens in Jesus' teaching on generosity and Jesus' teaching on giving, what happens is that he gives us a new definition of the good life. Because society in the world, right way back from the garden, when there was mistrust in the, ge- in the generous host, we had our own definition of the good life. We'll look at that in a moment or two. And what happens is that we, we create the definition of a good life. What's the definition of a good life? Just shout it out to me. Help, me. help me think through. Don't be getting spiritual. Don't say Jesus. Don't say God. Just tell me, what do you think is the definition of a good life for you and your family? Tell me. Come on. Health, Health yeah. That's good. Peace. You're all very holy. Okay. I was thinking you would be a bit more materialistic like me. Uh, <laughs> What else? What, what, how do we define the good life? Okay, no, don't think in your, on yourself. Just think in, as a worldview, how we perceive the good life. What does a good life look like? What's a synopsis or a snapshot of the good life? Tell me what it is. What does it look like? Equality? You, no, just stop being Christian for a moment, will you? <laughs> Pardon? Nice house, beautiful house. House for your car. Right? Guides, house for your car. Two cars. What did somebody say? Holiday? Holidays. I, holiday, holidays, difference, see, see, like Jesus, getting better, uh, holidays, I love holidays, they're good, God gives us riches so we can enjoy things, but the definition has just got weird and it's got murky and it's just got so, so insular and so, so, so what Jesus does, he helps us define the good life, but he does it in a way that I don't like, Jesus says the good life is about freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. And what happens is in that, because he knows us and he's a good father and he's the host of abundance. So what he says is generosity gets us away from the have more, want more, own more, use more, eat more, drink more. And the combination of that is restlessness and anxiety. And we have to sing about it in the 21st century. We have to create songs around it so that we set our hearts on Jesus again. We have to create environments and songs and lyrics where it says that God would come and presence himself among us. Right? So we make, what Winston Churchill say, I don't know if Winston Churchill really did say it, but we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Freely you have received, freely give. One of the ways this family gives to families throughout the work, throughout the world actually, is that we, want to be, we see God as a generous host. And so we don't just limit our vision to Dungannon. We actually need to lift our vision a little bit more. Michelle and I had this conversation the other day. We talked about, do we, you know, is it really worth us going on missions and stuff? And we just talked about what does missions do in the heart of a person? And we constantly come back to this idea is that when you go away at all, it doesn't matter, you don't all have to go to the end there, but there's somewhere, there's, you don't have to go very far actually to find poverty and brokenness, and um, way different from our poverty, by the way. It, it helps us, it aligns our heart again, it gives us fresh vision to see that, ah, oh, there is another way to live, to live free and to live outside of anxiety. And so one of the things that we want to do is look beyond even Dungannon, just look, look a little further and say that God created the heavens and the universe and actually he is renewing all things, not just the stuff that we touch, but the actual fabric of the cosmos, right? God wants to do that. And so one of the ways that we do that is that we do it through a brilliant hero of, of, of the faith, right? Somebody who inspires me. Um, 
This is a girl that came out of Vineyard Church Dungallan. She came uh, years and years ago. I met her in the corridor of Minari's uh, warehouse and their support store there, their headquarters. She walked along the corridor and she stopped and I caught her name and we began a conversation. And I think the first time I ever had a conversation with her, she just says, when is your baptism and can I be baptized? And I said, well, think about it. Uh, <laughs> you've only showed up and you're wanting baptized. Who do you think you are? Um, so no, no, she's absolutely brilliant. I just love that heart. You can see the heart right away in that person. That person is Rhonda Smith. She's a missionary to Uganda. And then she's home visiting with us this morning. I thought just as before I go any further, just to invite her up. She's part of the family here. And um, would you come, Rhonda? Are you here? You were here. Why didn't you, why didn't you stand and just applaud everything that she does? <laughs> Thanks. So, Rhonda, when, what was the date you decided to go to Uganda? So I first went out to Uganda, actually, it'll be five years ago. Um, I went out January 2015. And it was just the perfect timing for you? Everything lined up, right? No. So I actually, I went out just for six months to start off with. Um, and I was there for six months. Then I came back and worked for a year and then went back out in September 2016. So I've been there for about four years altogether. And sorry to go back to, to bad times and sad times, but you were, you had a pretty... Shocking and life-changing news, right? Yeah, so about eight years ago, I was actually diagnosed with MS. Um, so whenever I went out to Uganda, um, I didn't go straight after that diagnosis. Obviously, I was about three or four years afterwards. Um, but it was something that actually I've always wanted to do. I guess something that's been in my heart from when I was about 16 or 17. Um, and I think when you get a diagnosis of something like MS, you realize that actually sometimes... You're not always going to have a perfect timing or um, I think it also made me realize that why do I not pursue this now when I'm able and when I can because no one really knows. So, yeah. Brilliant. I love that. I love that that you did that. There's so much the kingdom. You know, we think that when God speaks, you know, it all lines up, the ducks line up. And then people tell me all the time. I, I do believe it in a way that you, there's this peace comes. Well, if you do have that, could I have a little of that? Because sometimes for me it's just anxiety and nerves and fear. But despite the fear, we try and we do and we go. So what is it you actually do? Sorry. So my, I guess, background here is education. So I've worked in education for about 12 years as a teacher. Um, and so out in Uganda, I'm working with an organization called Jenga. Um, it's a small Christian NGO. And um, Jenga is actually a Swahili word. word. It means to build. So at the heart of what they want to do is really to build up and support the communities of Mbali, which is the town that I'm living in or the city that I'm living in. Um, and, and they really do that through, small, through different sustainable projects in all different sectors of health, education, agriculture. Um, and the gospel is very much central to everything that they do. And they work very much with their local churches and they partner with them to do everything that they do. And so I work as part of their education department um, and a huge problem in Uganda in primary schools is actually literacy. So they have huge class sizes, very little resources, sometimes teachers that have been trained and they really are doing the best that they can but they don't always have the most up-to-date training and so often children will leave school still 
not being able to read and write, those basic things that they need for life. And so um, part of what, what my, or my work is, we're working in 15 of the government um, schools in that area. And we're training teachers, early years teachers in phonics. Um, and then we're continuing to go back in and support those teachers and help them as they take on this new method of teaching their hundreds of kids in their class. Um, and then another aspect of what we're doing is to help try and help children achieve better is actually a nutrition program. So malnutrition is something that's really um, rife in Uganda, as it is in many parts of the world. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we all know that malnourished children sometimes, sometimes can struggle to learn. So we're really trying to empower the mothers um, and train them as we've got numbers of different women's groups and we train them in a 12-week nutrition program and trying to help them figure out how they can provide better nutrition for their children with the local food that they have. Um, and it's very doable. Sometimes it's just lack of knowledge that they don't know there's different things that they can use. So, so that's a very quick synopsis. Brilliant. You've answered my question of your challenges too. Or do you have any other challenges that you want to... No, that, well, I guess the main challenge is just like lots of different places of the world is there's huge need, needs and not always um, there's limited resources sometimes to try and meet those needs and a challenge is kind of knowing who to help and when to help and, mm. and how to help them in a way that will really help them and not just for that day but also to empower them for the future. And, and just on um, for you to be totally selfish with your family here today is there what specifically could we pray for you for? Um, oh sorry. I give it back to him. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess just um, just for continued strength and, and health as I'm out there. I guess also for guidance as we develop the work more because it just continues to grow. Um, and um, yeah, I guess as well for the little team that, we, that I work with that we would um, do what we're doing well um, and that they would also continue to grow in what they're doing. And um, yeah. Brilliant. Should we pray for it? Yeah. Father, we thank you for Rhonda. Thank you for her heart, for her courage, for her tenacity. Just for the woman of God that she is, Lord, without trying to hype that up in any way. God, we pray for her team. We pray for resources. We pray for her health. We say, be healed in Jesus' strong name. And we support you. We love you. We carry you in our prayers and our thoughts. And we uh, will do our best to support you in every way that we can. By prayer and by finances and by... Yeah, by bringing you before God the Father. And so we just pray the strength of God will be poured into you as you just spend natural time with your family and as you prepare to go away again. And may you be filled, be filled with the presence of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of the living God. Amen. Bless you. Yeah, yeah. I just very quickly want to say um, thank you to all of you as a church just for your prayers. Um, I always love coming back to church and just connecting with all of you again. Um, and I still see it very much as my community of faith. So I just want to say thank you to all of you as well, and just for the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just to be totally transparent, we do as a church support Rhonda. We bring her home 
once a year because she needs that. Um, Rhonda is not trying to look for sympathy, but we, we just see it's, it's a responsibility with her health also and that she is mentally, spiritually, emotionally filled up. And one of the ways that we can do that is bring her home once a year and then we give her a small, small gift. So that's what we do as a family so that you know that. Uh, let me continue on right back into our conversation, which is very much part of it. Rhonda's story is very much part of being outward focused. Uh, despite all the pain and suffering, right? This is where you need to know where we're, where we're going at today. Here's the big overview in the picture. Despite all the pain and the suffering, because we always see that, and that can be our, our default. That can be the basis of how we look at the world. We look at the pain, we look at the suffering. But when Jesus came onto the earth, when Jesus Christ of Nazareth came, he, he began his ministry at 30 years of age. He was a young Jewish rabbi and a prophet named as the Messiah. He had a lot of challenges. And so Jesus didn't live in some sort of bubble in, in some spiritual utopia. He wasn't a hippie. He wasn't a kind, um, sort of liberal, left-thinking, long-haired Jewish rabbi who didn't engage with society, the commerce, the world. He actually was in the infrastructure of everything. He was engaged in society and into the fabric of society. And so despite all the pain and the suffering, Jesus experienced and saw, he still believed that God was a generous host. That's why he could come to us and say, uh, hey guys, be anxious. Don't be anxious. He said to us, he talked about ravens. He talked about flowers and, and fields. And then he said to us that we, not, we, we don't need to worry. Don't be anxious. Now, it, it might be easy for us to look at Jesus and say, well, you're just like, you're living in utopia. You're living in, in sort of la-la land. It's your Jesus. No, he stripped himself of the God power. He came as a human being. He wrapped himself in flesh, and he walked the dusty roads uh, uh, of um, Galilee. And he, he actually had a mindset, you see, that was sort of different from ours. He grew up with this this imagination, this, this image, this portrait of the, of the generous God, and he saw that in creation. So what I want to do this morning, I thought this might be quite fun. This will either go pear-shaped or it might work for us. So it's worth a gamble, especially as we're launching something and we're looking £30,000. Uh, so it's always a good day to gamble, isn't it? But I thought it would be good fun this morning, just before we jump into Christmas, is to just to take you on a little imagination or reimagining this morning. Are you ready for that? Yes. I will try, not promising. Okay, let me try and sell it to you then, okay? I don't like selling things, but actually I do. But not in church. But let me try and help you with that. This is this imagination thing is that we're all going to a party. Uh, anybody ever been to a party? It's a Christmas party. And it's next year. And it's close to Jason and Carl's 50th birthday party. <laughs> and you're all invited. Yay! And Ruth is hosting. Yay! I'm not trying to work anything into the talk here, but it's just as it comes to me, as the spirit leads, I go. That's just how I function. So we go to somebody's house, i.e. Ruth's house. All the vineyard. And it's a very generous, it's a very generous party. There's lots of nice things. There's cheese. There's nice cheese. There's hors d'oeuvres. Is that what we say? Hors d'oeuvres? Yes? Do you like hors d'oeuvres? Yeah? There's filifons. There's fancy creams. French fancies. There's fundus pancakes. Can you imagine it? Are you with me? Pot noodles. Pot noodles. 
no, 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 this is a generous party in all seriousness. And you know the host, so, so actually you're trusting, you're relaxed. As you go into this party, you know the host is generous. You, you're enjoying the party. And so what you're not doing is, like, there's somebody walking past with a tray of drinks and you're grabbing one drink, not three drinks. Okay? How many drinks? One drink. And while you're doing that, it's because you know the heart of the host. You know that they're generous and there's enough for everybody at this party. Are you with me? Are you enjoying the party? Yeah. Shall we put on a little music? No, too far. We should have, I should have worked harder with you in this one, actually. Um, but I just got to finish this morning. So, okay, now we're at the party. The hors d'oeuvres have just passed. There's cheese, nice cheese, Finder's pancakes. Okay, this is going to wreck my thinking to stop, stop. But what happens is that we, uh, as you walk around and as you mingle and talk to different people, you notice that there's another group of people at the party, people that are not from the vineyard, okay? And, uh, and that's okay because that's how, the, how it should be in parties. But this particular party, you quickly pick up that there's a different attitude with a different group. And you watch them grabbing the drinks and they're grabbing the drinks and they're grabbing. Have you ever seen anybody at a, I know you're all born again, believing Christians, um, but I do assume that sometime you've been somewhere where there's been an open bar, not you, yes, you've gone up to get your Diet Coke without ice, you've noticed other people because it's an open bar, instead of grabbing one drink, they grab three or four, has anybody ever been in that situation where it's been a free night and people, do you know what happens in that, you know what the reason is for that, they don't trust a generous host, so they grab, 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 and what if there's not enough, and what if there's a cutoff time to this party, what if the free drink runs out at 10 o'clock, so I just grab and grab what I can. They're acting weird. Instead of enjoying the party, they're actually killing off the party because you can watch their greed. You can watch how they, they grab and how they, they take and how the conversation doesn't seem to be more party mode anymore. It's actually getting very, very down. And you know what happens is, and then you're trying to get a drink, right? And what you've noticed is that they're blocking the way to the drinks. The drink side, okay? And then there's the hors d'oeuvres table. It's sitting in the island. I can picture this house right now. And, um, and go with me in your imagination. And, and you're trying, you're trying to get, get, get to the hors d'oeuvres part, but there's a guy with a green puffer-type jacket, short, sort of greyish hair, and uh, talks a lot with his hands. Uh, and, and so you notice that he's, he's standing like this. And it all becomes very awkward. You're trying to reach past him and get something at the table, but he's just like, well... Well, you know, we talk about everything, but just to confuse you and keep you away from what's actually happened. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We all got Bibles. So there begins with the servant. It says he's created, but he's crafty. He's crafty. He's not... He's cute. He's not cute, actually. It's not the crafty cool. It's the crafty bad. He's, he's cunning. He's created just like everything that else is created in the abundance of, of the world. And let me read it to you. Let me pick up the story in Genesis 3, chapter 1. It says, Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. So he created this enemy. He created this, this snake. It was just like any other uh, creation. But this one was crafty. And so he sees the abundance and he approaches the woman. Are you with me? What does he do? He sees the... Help me. Jesus. He sees the... 
abundance and he approaches the woman, okay? He sees the abundance and he approaches the woman. I want you to remember that what he sees is abundance. He sees abundance. Now the snake, first one of the chapter 3 in Genesis, is right at the start of the, the library of scriptures. Now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree from any tree in the garden. I want you to remember that. You must not eat from any tree in the garden. Did he really say that? The first thing he does, listen to me, as we talk about abundance, the first thing he does is undermine the trust that the host is generous. He starts to kill off the party. This host, is the host really generous? And he comes up with, he says, did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees? In fact, does that, is that what it says in Scripture? If you read on, it gives us the answer. The woman actually corrects him. She contradicts him and she says, no, 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 no. That's not true. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Okay? So what he does here, it's the power of suggestion. Number one, the power of suggestion that the host is not abundant. That the host is not generous. That there's not enough. Okay? And did, he, did the host not say that you can't eat from any of these trees? And she says, no, 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 no. She contradicts and then she gives the answer back. She says, the woman said to the snake, we may eat from the trees in the garden, plural. We can eat any of the trees, but, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. In fact, it doesn't say that in the scriptures. It does say that, but that's not what God originally said. It's nothing to do with touch. Okay? So did the host say that? That you can't eat all the food in the party? Don't go near all the food in the party. That's just for some people. No. And so again, the power of suggestion. And then he moves to an alternative story. So he starts off the snake. He was creative but crafty. He sees the abundance. And he starts off with this thinking or trying to suggest, hey, God said you, you, there's no abundance here. There's, no, there's not enough for everyone. He's, didn't he not say that you can't eat from any trees? She says no. And then he says, okay, let's move on to an alternative story. Let me push you a little further. Let me bring you into my story and he does that. Verse 4, are you with me? You won't die. And you will, you will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman. For God knows, he knows that when you eat from this tree that your eyes will be opened. You'll see a little clear. You'll think you'll see like a God all of a sudden. He'll say, he says that. And he says that you'll be like God and you'll know good and evil. Isn't that what you want? It sounds good. It looks good. It seems very wisdom orientated, but yet... It's the one thing that ruins everything, that kills a party. The tree is in the middle of the garden. It's ever-present. It's in the middle. It's central. Have you ever questioned that? Have you ever thought about that and thought, well, God, why did you put it in the middle? If you had to put it in the middle, if you hadn't put it in the middle, things would be just fine and dandy now, right? Anybody ever asked that question? I mean, you've got to at some stage probably, if you're reading the ancient scriptures, ask yourself some questions when you're reading the ancient scriptures. So this is a question that I would ask myself. Of all the places they put it, could you not have stuck it in the back end of somewhere in that garden? Could you not have just hidden it so that every time... But here, I think about it in my life. Constantly with humanity, there is always a tree in the middle of our lives. There's always a tree. There's always one possibility that can destroy the party. Every day we are faced with a tree in the middle of our lives, right? And that tree is choice and trust. Regardless of where we're at, we're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. We are in 
now in the city. We've moved from the garden to the cities, to the villages, to the towns. God is moving us out and he's doing that for a reason so that all the earth can be renewed and filled with the presence of, the, of our living God, right? Isn't that the plan? And then when he's coming back, he's moving in to the neighborhood and he's making a new city. Are you with me? Yes, Jason, even if you're not. Help me along here. Okay, good, 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 good. In the middle, and I think sometimes I look at that in my life, and when I come to that, whatever choice it is, the first and natural thing for me is to blame God. God, why did you put that in front of me? Why did you put that choice in front of me? See, we're always faced with the possibility of making a choice, to grab control, to take control, to know that even when we know, have you, have, have you ever been as stupid as me? Have you? <laughs> it was rhetorical, the question. Have you ever made a decision knowing that the decision was a good decision and you knew the outcome wasn't going to be good, but you still made the decision? Has anybody ever done that? Yeah? How many of you drive with your petrol or diesel with the wee orange light, just this wee warmth and comfort in your car? Isn't it comforting that we orange glow? And then the oil comes in. And then you say, I've got to be all right. I'll just keep driving up the road, right? And then I used to find this way to, I bought a Skoda one time. I was sort of like ahead of the curve before Skodas were cool. There you go. And, uh, and the sure as eggs is eggs. I used to chance at the Lisburn Road all the time. And the sure as eggs were eggs, I'd always stop on Tate's Avenue. And I had to get out, get somebody to push me, go up to the petrol station. I didn't do that once. I think I did that three times. There's bigger choices, mind you, that, that we do. We're always faced with the possibility to ruin the party. We are just one choice away from ruining the party. How many choices have you made in your life? Stay with me. How many choices have you made in your life? Um, you're, you say you're, you have something that you know that you shouldn't do, but how many choices actually does it take for you to result in destroying, hurting, ruining your family, your future, friendships, how, how many choices? And seriously, how many choices do you think it takes? Like a hundred? Sometimes just one stupid choice ruins everything. And so we talk about God and this tree in the middle, but all the time, in the middle of our lives, in the middle of our day, in the middle of our work, in the middle of our family situations, in the middle of our friendships, in the middle of opportunities, we are one choice often away from ruining our lives. And when we ruin our lives, and I know what people say, well, well, you made your choice and it just affects you and nobody else, are you for real? Every choice that we make is not a good choice. It always ruins our faith, our family, and our future. I guarantee you, every bad choice that you make in your life, it will affect your faith, your trust, and relationship with Heavenly Father, and it will, uh, it, it will affect your family. And by that, I'm just being generic on relationships. It affects other people that walk into your pathway and are connected to you. And it will ruin your future, the things that God has planned for you, the dreams that God has dreamed over your life. So let's go back to the party. How are we doing, Vineyard? You're in the party again. And there's a group of people that we've already talked about. They're not really that happy, but they're starting to hoard the food. They're grabbing the drinks. And some of you get into a conversation with them, and there's a reason why they're hogging the drinks, and the reason why they're hogging the food, and there's a reason why you can't get past Dickie at the hors table, is because they're saying to you, you know what, well, you're just a bit naive. Really, what you need is a bit of realism. 
You need a bit of reality. You need a reality check because here's the situation. This party is not going to last forever. Sorry to break it to you. It's a good party. It's a fun party. But it's not going to last forever. And there's not enough for everybody. Do you think that we can sustain this all night? That we can keep eating and drinking and, and, and having a party and having fun and actually sustain this? So this is what they say to you. They say, it's good, yeah, but the goodness is coming to an end. And what I would do if I was you, but it's up to you. You can do whatever you want to do. You've got to look after yourself. But you know what? I understand the, the rest of the people who are in the kitchen trying to get the hors d'oeuvres and the drinks and whatever. Man, they need to figure it out for themselves. But what we're doing is a right thing and a noble thing. We're looking after ourselves and we need to get what we need at the party because this thing is not going to last forever. So anybody that's smart, anybody that's noble, anybody that's right thinking, if you have any ounce of sense at all, grab what you can, keep what you can and let the rest figure it out, right? Does that sound like the world? Back to the garden. Are we okay? Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable, that word desirable is just a covet. It's actually a legitimate desire for something that ought not to be yours. Shouldn't be yours. You're looking at something and it's, so sometimes we think, it, we can look at things, we think, oh my covenant, that looks really nice. It's good to appreciate things. It's good to look at stuff. I mean, what, what is it? What flow, do you ever see like, have you ever seen like a, like recently I saw a cream lambretta? A guy owns it in Cookstown. It's lovely, isn't it? That's a really, really nice scooter. And, and, uh, and so I see that, and I, love, and I can appreciate that, and I love it, and it's chromed, and it's beautiful, and it's freshly painted, and it's just beautiful. But if I start to have, I think, oh, that ought to be mine and not his. I'm making plans, so that's mine and it's not his. Then that's not a good thing. Are you with me? So it's okay to look at beauty too. God made some beautiful things, including the lambrettas, uh, but they're unreliable, so I'm a Facebook guy. Just putting it out there. But uh, that has nothing to do with the conversation. So... So yeah, there's this covenant. It ought to be. It should be mine, but it's, it ought not to be mine. For gaining wisdom, she looked and she took some and she ate it. And she and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And uh, and then their eyes were opened, and they realized that they were naked. Right? It's just awkward. And so they sewed fig trees, fig leaves uh, together. And made coverings. I'm thinking fig trees besides me, but leaves probably for the rest too. Okay, sorry. Yeah, okay, okay, hey, come on, keep, 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 keep it on the level, clean mind, pure heart. And uh, so she looked and she took and she gave, and even her giving, here's what I discovered, right? This is where it all gets screwed up. She gave, but even her generosity is now tainted. It's the wrong giving. It's, it's tainted generosity. Isn't it so in a world full of abundance, there's the ever-present potential to turn abundance into selfishness? Let me say that again. I want you to remember this. By the way, I'm not pouring cold water on generosity and giving and enjoying and being blessed. That's not what I'm saying, but this is what I am saying. Isn't it so in a world of abundance, there is the ever-present possibility to turn abundance into selfishness? There's enough. But we can take the blessing and the abundance and we can turn it around into being very selfish people. If we look at... Look at it with the mindset that there's not enough. We can make it look right and noble, can't we? Here, help me out here. Let's take off our religious heads. Let's take off our what Jason wants to hear heads. Let's, let's think about it. Sometimes we think there's wisdom in storing up. Sometimes we think there's, it looks noble that I look after my family and I look after my tribe 
and we have enough, and, and, we, and we can put that down to, well, you know what, that's just good parenting. That's just good wisdom. But you multiply that. You multiply that mindset and that thought, and not just that thought, but that becomes, a thought becomes an action. We always add habits to our values, regardless of what the value is. When we start to add habits to the values, then the world becomes a very dark place and a very scarce place. Would you agree? And the party starts to become a place of unsafe. It becomes an unsafe environment. I don't know if I want to be here. I don't know if I want to be around these people. I don't know if I'm really having much fun. And so the abundance mindset, it helps us actually to live free and enjoy the party. So the problem is represented in a beautiful looking tree in the middle of the garden. Again, we're all faced with that tree every day. Tomorrow morning, you'll have a tree in the middle of your garden. You're thinking, no, I'm not using I don't have a tree in the middle of my garden. Go with me. Metaphorically speaking, you'll have situations, you'll have choices that you'll make this week that you'll be thinking to yourself, I have a choice to make, and there's always the tree in the middle of your world, right? There's always a tree in the middle of your world. It's not just a garden problem. It's not just an Eden problem. It's an entire humanity problem. And so what is happening here is that we, we say, look, look out for me and mine. And what you do is when you look out for me and mine, you know what you actually do? This is what you do. You trust the abundance and you put it into selfishness. You trust, you don't, sorry, you don't trust the abundance. You look at the abundance and you turn it into selfishness. That's what we do. And do you know why people don't give? People don't give because they're anxious or because they're selfish. They actually give because they're afraid. Don't give because they're afraid. People, 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 people don't, people um, stop being generous. It's not that they become selfish. People are hard-hearted people or they think, you know what, I'm going to just be a real Scrooge. I'm going to stop giving. I'm, I'm going to, you know, and, and I know what it looks like and I know how it feels and, and I know what all the emotions that are wrapped around that. And it's not that you're selfish, it's just that you're scared. It's just that you're scared. You don't trust the abundance of a good father. In fact, Christians, let me tell you something, Okay. Some of you have more faith to believe in hell than you do to be generous. And that scares me. That scares me. You actually have enough faith to believe that somebody can go somewhere for eternity. But you don't have a smidgen of faith to trust that God is good and generous and that you would actually give. So where do we live in? Does that not frighten you a little? That we don't trust that God is generous and he's an abundant God and the host is always good. The abundance mindset, this is what it does actually. See what the, what the scarcity mindset does is that it, it, it tells us that you keep it all, keep it all, wrap it up. I won't have enough. You know, I've got to pay off a loan. I've got to do this. I don't have enough to give. You know, well, Rhonda can rock on and do whatever Rhonda wants to do. But you know what, I'm keeping it for me and mine. And, and you know what, there's enough people starving, uh, uh, going Tough in my family without giving to families in Tyrone's. I've went past one of those houses and I've seen a satellite dish. And all of a sudden we start to make excuses because we need to make excuses. We need evidence. We need evidence that gives us a verdict and gives us an action and gives us a habit. And what happens is that mindset actually it stops you from living free and enjoying the party. You no longer enjoy the party. Wouldn't it be great if Finyard showed up to the party... Are you with me? Some of you have emotionally chosen to check out this morning. Because I'm well aware when we talk about money, it's a very emotional thing. and We all feel sort of things. And we, you know, we, it feels awkward at times. And we're counting the light bulbs around here. And you've actually thought, how many seats do we have actually in this room? And you've, maybe, maybe you've done that. It would be helpful if you could count people. And we'll give us some stats for tomorrow, if that's where you are. Um, 
But stay with me. Pay, pay attention to your emotions right now, please. Pay attention to your emotions. Wouldn't it be great if the vineyard showed up to the party and with the mindset that there's enough? And you would go into the different rooms to the party. Maybe there's a pool room. Maybe there's a sitting room. Maybe there's just a room with a fire on. We'd walk into these rooms with the attitude and the perspective that there is enough for everyone. And we would live and we would be generous and we would, we would behave and conduct ourselves in that party in such a way that we would demonstrate to those in that house and those in that party that the host is good. And also that we would maybe in some way in our time, in our generation, begin a conversation with people to help them understand that yes, there is chaos. Yes, our health center is health system looks like it's crumbling and indeed it is crumbling. Yes, there is things that are broken. Yes, there is there's there's laws being passed. Yes, there is there's need. Yes, there is there is so much, so much trouble, so much strife, so much pain in the midst of society, but we would have such a life of abundance and a mindset that we would be able to communicate that, you know what, the host is working on it, and he is coming back someday, and he is making all things new and all things right. He's not making right things new, he's making all things new. All things new. And we would walk into parties and into places and spaces with the attitude and the mindset, and we would create an atmosphere that God is bringing order to chaos. Wouldn't that be the way to live, Vineyard? Wouldn't that be a great way to start out? So Rhonda, she's working in a developing country. And when you think about that, I usually think about, well, we are in, what we should do is that, here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the mindset of human wisdom. Let's bring everybody up to the level where we live, right? Are you with me? Because when I go to India and places like that, well, I don't really go to places like that. I just probably go there most of the time. When I go there, I, I just think of how I live and then how they should live. And I'm saying, hey, come and live where I live. But actually, that's not the right way of going at it. The problem is that we are hoarding and storing up because we are hoarding and storing up. There's not enough for everyone. It's not about getting the world to live like the West lives. It's actually about having enough. There's enough in the planet for everyone. And here's the thing, guys. If we were to bring everybody up to how we live, are you with me? Do you know how many planets you would need? Five. If we were to bring everybody up to the level where we're living right now, if we were to bring India up and Uganda and Africa, if we were to bring everybody up to how everybody's living and divide it all out equally, we would need five planets to store all our stuff. Isn't that just crazy? That's just crazy. So what we need to do is look with the mindset of getting better at sharing, not twisting abundance into selfishness. Does that make sense? Can I ask you a question? How are we going to start? And when are we going to start? And you've preempted the answer. I think things like Outward Focus Christmas, they're not the way, but they're a way. They're a pathway to do that. People are already thinking about how to keep this party going. And unfortunately, it's no longer the church championing the Genesis mandate of Stuart and the Earth. The Independent newspaper, I don't know if you've read it recently, but they did a piece recently on families going present free at Christmas. Sorry, retailers. Um, or at least cutting down in waste. And so it begins by this. This is their opening statement in the Independent two weeks ago. It says, people look miserable before Christmas. Yeah. And... <laughs> It saddens me more than anything. They're ill or drunk or stressed to hell. <laughs> Just some synopsis, not mine. For many, Christmas is the most wonderful time of year, but it's also the most wasteful time of year. Two million turkeys, 
100 square kilometers of wrapping paper and more than 100,000 tons of plastic packaging will be binned on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day we bin that. Isn't that crazy? When more, more than a few unwanted gifts will be packed away in cupboards, never to be seen again. But some families are trying to combat, I'm just reading from the article, combat the culture, making festivities less stressful by cutting out presents. If you're thinking of buying me, do not cut down altogether, but just think about how you're going to do it. Instead of opting for home baking, uh, virtual gifts, or even just forgetting about the whole thing, they're, they're actually creating experiences. So this guy, according to Richard Clapman, who works on campaigns, sorry, on waste and regeneration action program, think rap. There you go, Christmas rap. See what we did there? Um, the younger generation is having an awakening. It's funny language, isn't it? Have you ever heard that language before? An awakening, renewal, revival. They're having an awakening in how they think about the planet, shifting away from conventional gifts. He says they're increasingly looking for experiences rather than stuff. I think this party is driven by their concern for the planet, but also because they already have so much stuff. I didn't say that. They said that. We're talking about the party. Let me just finish off what he says here. I think this party is driven by their concern for the planet, but also because they already have so much stuff. When you read the teachings of Jesus, he looks at the raven and he looks at the lilies. We think he's just a happy thinking kind of guy who lacks responsibility. Again, the noble and right thinking to do is to, to store up and get. But actually, what is happening here is not that we think that Jesus is a happy, not that he is irresponsible. There is actually a clash of worldviews. Their one is trusting the good and generous host versus scarcity and grabbing another glass quickly. What are you doing with your life? Are you trusting the generous host? Or are you thinking, oh, another glass. While I have a glass, just in case there's not enough. How do you live? Finyard, how do we live? Are we grabbing another glass? While we have a glass? And not trusting the host? Just in case, the mindset of this Jewish rabbi was he looks, he's growing up with the poetic writings, with the story of Genesis and Torah, and he knows right from the beginning that when God created the universe, his father, who he was with in the beginning, all things were made through him. Jesus Christ of Nazareth knew who was in the beginning, what the world had and what the world needed. Let me finish with my conclusion. Are you okay? God is the generous host of all creation. He created life in abundance and created humanity to share. He stewarded the abundance. And then he gave it to humanity. Who didn't trust the generous host. Who didn't believe there was enough. Who create security and sustain their life. By grabbing and gathering Ending up in anxiety and actually death. God then responds in generosity with a gift. And God wants this family to trust a generous hope. The host, sorry. To trust a generous hope. This family vineyard, to trust a generous hope, become a blessing to other families. This is God's strategy. This is God's strategy. We're going to watch a quick video. I think without the help from Reach, 
things wouldn't have been bearable for me and for my family. They help with food, they help with clothing, they help with bread, vegetables, cans, toiletries. There's, I could go on and on and on, the amount of things that they have to offer. If it wasn't for Outward Focus Christmas, none of that would be possible. Here at Vineyard Church in Gannon, we are passionate about loving on our community and showing God's kindness to all those we meet. So this Outward Focus Christmas, we are going to again do that, make up some luxury hampers and bless those in need in our community. We want to make Dungannon a great place to grow up in and a great place to grow old in. Well, one of the reasons that we became involved in the Outward Focus Christmas um, is that quite often people see special schools as somewhere that receive and um, people are always given to us and people are hugely generous to this school. The local communities, the whole of South and East Tyrone are so very generous to us. But we also like to give our young people the opportunity to give back and to use the skills that they have to share with others, particularly in this community who are so good to us. And this opportunity with Vineyard to go and do the hamper packing really feeds into that so beautifully because our young people can go up they can share their skills by being involved in the hamper packing and then that they know where those hampers are going how they're being distributed who they're being distributed to and when um, and that for us is a huge benefit that our children are able to give something back to the local community which is so supportive of them so part of my work at Vineyard Church in Gannon is uh, to oversee the REACH Compassion Project. Um, it's a food bank and support service that runs every Thursday from 10am to 1pm at our storehouse venue. And we offer practical, emotional and spiritual support to those in need in our community. One of the best things about Outward Focus Christmas is that it's not just for Christmas, it's not just the luxury hampers. Um, really Outward Focus Christmas helps provide uh, food parcels um, and the support that REACH provides during the whole of the year. So the first time we heard of OFC was a client of ours. Jason Scott came down to get a tattoo. Just as general sort of talking to clients. Um, what you do is that. So he mentioned it and we were going, maybe this is something we could help with, you know, if we work out like so Jason asked us would we come on last year and see how we get on. Um, so I helped him out of that. I was seeing firsthand sort of how it was helping people out, not just over the sort of Christmas period but throughout the whole period, sort of helping up to 1,500 people, um, so it was very easy this year to sort of say yes to sort of partnership and helping out on the same way it goes. REACH helped us immensely. They offered us support with the food, um, with clothing, with emotional support, with prayer. I've, I just think it's amazing, it's amazing. I just, you just can't get rid of me now. <laughs> We are so thankful to the local community, to local businesses, local agencies, family and friends who support um, and, and help us uh, at Out Focus Christmas but also for Reach throughout the year um, to, to work together for the betterment of our community um, and allow it to, to be all year three. Wonderful, eh? Guys, I haven't finished. Um, just three points. Seriously. 
the church should be the most generous community on the planet. We should be. We should have the few of the generous hosts. And we should have the reputation of being a generous people. And we do have, in this town, we do have a reputation of being a generous people. That's why people part with us. That's why guys that tattoo pictures on the people's skin who are really not um, hearing the Jesus story every day, but actually have a heart to, to partner with us. And it's not just to make them feel good. They actually see that what we do makes a difference in this town. These are pretty savvy guys. They're not up for sales pitch. Or nonsense. So we do have the reputation of generous. Can I just say one thing, pastorally again? I want you to hear this. It's kind. Of, it, in one way, we do have the reputation, and we are generous people. But listen, one of the dangers of being part of a generous community is that you can be generous by association, but not action. And we need to be aware of that. And, that, and that's not a that's not a criticism. That's just an awareness thing for me in my heart. And for you and your heart, that there's a tree in the garden, there's a tree that's always in the middle that always is demanding more of us and, and the choices that we make. And so I don't want us to be a church that is generous by association and not action. I want us to be individuals that are actually, all of us are not just here by association, that we see that this is a generous church and that we love to tell the stories of generosity. But actually, I want you to ask yourself, am I participating in the generosity of this family that meets needs here near far. Uh, so I want you to think about that. I want you to prioritize your giving to Vineyard Church Dungana. Um, I know many of you have had to look at your finances and, and scale back because of situations and life situations, and I totally understand that. But what we need is for all of us to do something, for everyone to do something. And when everyone does something, then we can all participate in the extravagant generosity that the Father has given us because we see him as a generous host. And we don't have to fear, but we can actually be generous. So I would ask you again, I'm asking you this week again, to prioritize giving to this home. If this is your home, if you call this place family, and you say this is where I belong, then would you participate in practical giving in a sustainable way, in a routine that actually gives actions to values. So if you value family, if you value this home, if you value being part of the community, uh, then we'd ask you to do that. That just makes sense to me. If you're part of a family, you want to prioritize and do that. Um, here's the second thing, and you're going to love this one. Before the feasting, let's do some fasting. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah? Okay, I'm asking you to fast. We were going to get everybody to do it on a Sunday, but I know that everybody's life is different. It could be a Sabbath for some of you and you want to eat with family and friends. So this next week, would you consider cutting out a meal and just pray? And you know the hunger pains that you get? Allow that to those pangs to become prayers. All right? Allow those hunger pangs. Is that, is that a word? Oh, that's a good word. Allow those hunger pangs to become prayers and actually just stop for a moment and when you feel the pain and you just think about those who have not and pray and ask the Father to come to speak to you. And then on the 8th, we're going to gather, or sorry, on the 1st, we're going to gather here on the evening time and pray and just put this whole thing before God and allow him to realign our hearts. Okay? And then you'll go to love this one. Um, on the 8th, we've got to have our special offering, Christmas special offering. Uh, here's, here's a great hashtag before you go home. I'll just put this in your mind because it's stayed in my mind and I hate it. Do you ever hear a really cheesy song and you can't get rid of it? Well, a preacher once recently told me that we should giggle when we give. How, yeah. How cheesy does that sound? Giggle while you give. You got it? Hashtag 
So that, let's just enjoy it. Let's actually have no fear in that, in all seriousness, and let's do that. Okay, we have ran out of time.